Thank you for tuning in. We'll get to your program right after this short word from our sponsor. In your company, a challenge? Are you battling turnover and struggling to draw key talent? Is your team not performing at the level you want? Problems present themselves through conflict, miscommunication, creative differences, unclear expectations, and motivational issues. ARC Integrated is here to address these challenges through executive coaching and customized interactive trainings. Create lasting positive change that will improve your bottom line and create a culture that attracts talent and reduces turnover by going to arcintegrated.com. That's arcintegrated.com. How does an economy that is more mindful and less mindless become a reality? Welcome to the Mindful Marketplace. I'm your host, Joel Skeen, and I'm happy to welcome you to the show where we ask experts, entrepreneurs, investors, and industry leaders for their perspectives on how all of us can, on every level, do our part to help create a more mindful marketplace. And I am really excited about our show here today. We've got on a guest who is an artist, he's a musician, and he's an entrepreneur and a business owner. And he's been someone that I've been really, um, really grateful to get to know over the last year or so here. And it's going to be a really great time for us to talk to Shamal Waller of Vegan Friendly Tours um, in a little bit about what he's doing in the local economy and the impact he's making. Um, but first, you know, as, as listeners of this show, you know, as you guys know, what we are really trying to understand week in and week out when it comes to this show is how our money or our businesses, our relationships with our clients, our community, and our greater world can be more mindful and less mindless. And you know, whether it's in business or with my family or with my own mindfulness practices, as I <laughs> try my best with them, uh, what I've learned is that in order to really truly be intentional there is a certain change in perspective, I think, that's required. If I just rely on my own limited perspective of what I can see and observe right here and right now, and that's all I ever go by, you know, there's really no way to ever learn anything. How could you possibly learn anything and how could you possibly grow if you don't expand your perspective? I, I recently came across an old piece of wisdom that truly expanded my perspective on what this mindful marketplace is all about. It's from an indigenous American um, wisdom that was uh, the group, the Iroquois that lived in the eastern part of the United States. And the principle that I want to talk to you about for a second is called the seventh generation principle. So the seventh generation principle is based on this Iroquois philosophy. It says that when we make decisions today, we should be mindful primarily not just with what's the best outcome is for ourselves right now, but for the future. You know, we all understand this basic idea. We want the next generation to have it better than we do. But this principle from the Iroquois doesn't stop with the next generation, with your children or even your grandchildren. This principle says that we should make decisions based on what is best for seven generations into the future. The first recorded concepts of the seventh generation principle date back to anywhere from 1142 to 1500 as part of the law of the the great law of the Iroquois Confederacy, which was credited as being also a contributing influence on the American Constitution, because Ben Franklin had a great respect for the Iroquois system of government. So this seventh generation principle today is generally referred to in regard to decisions being made about energy, water, natural resources, and ensuring those decisions are sustainable for not just us now and not just one generation, but seven into the future. 
But I personally don't think it stops there. I believe it can also be applied to just about every other aspect of life. How would your spending habits change if you were thinking about seven generations forward? How would your business practices change? How would the example you set for the people in your life change? How would your relationships change if every decision resulted in sustainable relationships seven generations into the future? You know, I'll admit at first when I tried to, I've been trying to integrate this philosophy into my daily life and business, it, uh, it almost can be a little overwhelming. Um, but the reality of applying this principle ends up looking a lot like something I was taught when I was very young by my mother and my father. Whenever we would be having a picnic in a park or walking down a trail or sharing a potluck with friends, my mom and dad taught me to leave people and places better than I found them. You know, pick up the trash, even if it's not yours. Look for ways to help others, especially if they are less fortunate than you. And always leave things better than you found them. So in my business, that looks like making sure that every client that we've helped who sits down with us to look into either eliminating their debt or protecting their assets, I have to treat them as if they were my own family. It means tending to the relationships I have in business and at home. And it means being mindful of the big picture, seven generations down the line, while doing my very best to leave everyone I meet better than I found them. I hope this piece of wisdom was insightful for you as it was for me, and I hope you'll join me in trying to integrate it. All right, now I'm excited to get to talk to my good friend, uh, Shama Waller here um, of Vegan Friendly Tour. Shama, thanks for coming on the show today, man. Really excited to have you on. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Yeah, buddy. Thanks for joining us here on the Mindful Marketplace. Um, I know a lot of people probably don't know you. You're still new to business. Um, and I'm excited to hear about the, your entrepreneurship journey here. Um, now, are you from, uh, where are you from originally and how did you end up here in Western North Carolina? Well, I'm from Richmond, Virginia originally, but I moved to New York City and I lived out there for four years. I stayed in the East Village for a little bit, for about a year, then Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn for three years. And then I moved directly from Brooklyn to Asheville, North Carolina back in 2021 of august so i've been out here in Asheville now for about a year and it's been a great journey yeah tell me a little bit about that i mean i've, I've i actually met around that same time i met you and i met a couple other people who had moved from brooklyn to Asheville. you know i'm curious why uh why why was it why what brought you out here i, I it, it seems like there's a bit of a trend going <laughs> Yeah, I'm not exactly sure why those other people moved out here, but maybe for similar reasons. Um, for some of my reasons, um, well, I have family out here. My brother is actually Bruce Waller, um, and he owns, he's one of the owners of uh, Grind Coffee Shop. And he's also one of the people that's uh, spearheading Black Wall Street. And that's my brother, that's my family. He has a daughter that's two now. And I met her for the first time when I came out here uh, last year. And part of the reason is, is to be closer to my family. Another reason is to be um, to work on business with my brother. And um, also, uh, this is a good area to just work and do artistic things because I also came from a background of music. And when I was in New York City, I was working on my music and doing a lot of things out in the city. Um, 
And I just saw a, a lot of room for opportunity to grow and to just focus. And one of the things that I really wanted to focus in in this area is to just be hyper focused and work um, solely on business because being a creative, I've always been very artistic and creative and worked on that side of things. So the there's two sides of the brain. There's like a very logical side and a very like artistic creative side. And I've had I've had the opportunity to work with both sides of my brain all my life. But of course, being an artist, it takes a lot of the creative side of things. And coming here was a good way for me to really solely focus on that logical business side of things and work on processes and systems. And then also have the luxury of being able to do this with family members and um, becoming a member of Black Wall Street, as well as other organizations like Rotary and being a member of um, uh, Mountain BizWorks, joining their cohort. And there's just been so much uh, knowledge and information and resources out here that have helped me with my goals and becoming a better businessman overall. And that's great. I, I, you know, I think there's this myth out there about entrepreneurs that it takes a specific type of person and a specific type of background in order to be one. I know, you know, I, I that was definitely a an issue I had to face because I kind of thought that coming from social work and also being into music, you know, musician and songwriter myself, I never really saw myself as that business owner. And I think that that in order to make that change, I had to kind of change the way I looked at myself. Um, what I guess did you did you feel that same way? What what decided? What was it that made you decide to start pursuing a path in entrepreneurship and business, coming from you know being more creative? Oh, so actually, um, I I've started a business. The first time I ever started a business was like back in two thousand fourteen. Um, in two thousand sixteen, I started my photography production business, um, doing professional photography and video. And that's when I actually started doing that back in 2016. And when I was in New York City, I did a lot of photography and video projects. And I was an entrepreneur in New York City, um, able to pay the bills and, and do that in New York City. And what I wanted to start focusing on, on more when I came here to Asheville is to start working more on my music side of things, um, as well as getting some of the fundamental uh, processes and systems when it comes to business for my production company as well. And I'm actually still doing, um, running my production company, Speed Snaps. And I, I've done a photo shoot a couple days ago. I actually have another photo shoot coming up in two hours from now. And then I have a video commercial that I'm shooting tomorrow. So I've still been, I've still been heavily um, working on that business um yeah that's that's awesome man i mean it's it's cool to see you out there because i run into you on the street and you're you're performing sometimes i run into you at meetings and you're you're networking your business you definitely seem like you kind of got a a jack of all trades uh where you can you can have your hands in a lot of different pots um i wanted to ask you too about uh black wall street um we actually had bruce your brother on as um he was maybe the first or second guest that we had on. And we talked a lot about Grind Coffee. We talked a lot about Grindfest and we hit on Black Wall Street a little bit, but I'd, I'd like to get your perspective on that. I know you're in a Black Wall Street cohort. 
Obviously, your brother is one of the founders of Black Wall Street Asheville. Um, for, could you just share with the people out there? I'm sure there's someone out there who's like, what the heck is Black Wall Street? Uh, could you tell them a little bit about that and about how, you know, kind of the cohort that you're a part of? So Black Wall Street is a business incubator for the BIPOC community. Um, black businesses, um, Latino um, people in the underrepresented community. We are the ones that uh, are members of Black Wall Street. And what we do is we, we get together, we speak um, on a weekly basis about different resources that we have and we support each other and just grow and give resources that may not have been there before. Um, and we have events, we have a, a building called Black Wall Street and we actually just now had a huge event last night and I actually um, hosted it and it was my brother's birthday celebration. And what we're actually doing um, is we're looking to have a music a music night once a month at Black Wall Street. And it's pretty dope. It's food is available. There's wine is available um, and also a live music band. So it's a pretty dope thing. It'll be uh, karaoke's will happen throughout it um, and open mics. So that's something to definitely stay tuned and check that out. Yeah, I, I personally love it. And I love the focus that you guys put on ownership and entrepreneurship in Black Wall Street among, like you said, the marginalized communities. When I was a social worker, a lot of times there was so much focus on just kind of putting a Band-Aid on the problem for people who were either poor or disenfranchised in some other way. You know, it's like we'd give them some food or we'd give them, you know, a housing voucher for a little while or we'd kind of help them out in this kind of short-term Band-Aid type of way. Why do you think, you know, actually business ownership is really that path to um, to more community development and to more economic stability among those communities? Why do you think it's important for there to be business owners in the BIPOC community? Well, one of the obvious reasons is if you're an entrepreneur and you own your own business, um, nobody can fire you. The only person that can fire you is your customers. So, but even then you can still adjust who your actual audience is. Um, and you can like basically work on developing who is your target audience? Who is your dream customer? And how can you serve them? How can you solve their problem? What can you do to make their life better? And if you can actually do things to make their life better, solve their problems, then there wouldn't be any reason for them to fire you fire you and i say that in quotation marks because they can't really fire you they can't stop you from um going forward moving forward and setting processes in place um so that's one of the obvious reasons because um uh, black owned businesses or i'll just say um people in the black community um tend to sometimes get the short end of the stick when it comes to uh business or like work sometimes like um, so having your own you business is a you. good way, uh, for me. Um, so for me generally, actually I spent a lot of my time, um, working for myself. Like I've always found like ways to work for myself and I've actually only taken about two jobs. Um, so for me, um, actually like three jobs, three jobs throughout my life. And I more so just been 
working like as an entrepreneur. The only thing that I wish I would have learned certain things like creating processes, systems, business plans, um, market strategies, market analysis, all of those different things. If I, I wish I would have learned those things sooner um, to become a more efficient business owner. Um, but as far as for me, not as much just because that wasn't that was never in my plan to become one of those uh, uh, basically em employees. That's not really mm. the route um, that I'm looking for uh, for the long haul. Um, and even when it does when it does come to um, being an employee, the only way uh, the the things that I, the thing that I think about being an employee, I think it's a great way to learn um, to learn how to serve better to serve people um, because serving is, is very important. Giving is very important because you only get as much as you give. And that's to anything. You can, you can look at any situation in life and if you give, you can receive. But if you don't give, you may not receive. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And being in be able to learn that and, and go into a system that's already established and figure out Okay, how can I become the most successful as I can in this establishment? And then yeah. as an entrepreneur, then you think, okay, now how can I bring this same mentality of being very prolific in this other business that's already been established? And how can I take that spirit, the spirit of excellence, and bring that into my business and be yeah. successful? And, and it all comes down to serving and giving. Serving the community, serving the people, solving problems. A hundred percent. And I think that you really noticed a a gap in that service to the community here. And that's what kind of created, um, you know, vegan friendly tours. It sounds like you've been able to, you know, kind of put together your passion, what, you, what you've been learning about business, your just kind of innate entrepreneur spirit and willingness to hustle for yourself. And you kind of really created something pretty neat here. Tell um tell people about vegan friendly tours, how you started it, and the service that you all offer. So vegan friendly tours, I actually um like I said, 2016. That's when I started doing professional photography. Um, that's when I started my production company, and ironically, that's when I actually officially became vegan because in 2014 I became vegetarian. 2016 I became vegan. And what really actually birthed this um, vegan friendly tours, or I'll say a vegan tour to begin with, because it wasn't always called vegan friendly tours. It was a vegan tour, right? And what happened was I came here and I was looking for a way, how can I do my photography and my music business, both of these business entities, because they're both generating me thousands of dollars a month, right? So I'm wondering like, okay, how can I bring them both together so I don't feel so separated when I do each thing? Because these are both of my passions. These are two things that I wanna do that I want to live synonymously. So what happened was I actually met with um, Joseph Hackett, Dr. Joseph Hackett, which is the founder of Black Wall Street and we sat down and we spoke about how um, to bring bring those two things that I'm doing together. Mm -hmm. 
And what we came up with, we talked and he was like, okay, um, what is it that you talk about the most? And we narrowed it down to veganism. And then we looked at like, okay, so what is something, what, what kind of market, you know, is coming into Asheville and it's tourism, tourists. So then boom, it was vegan tours, vegan tours, basically create vegan experiences for the tourists coming in. And then when that happened, it clicked in my mind. And then so much came in my mind, like, wow, I know so many problems um, that vegans face. And I know so many problems that vegans face that also interlap with people um, that aren't vegan. Um, and so many people, it just showed me, like there's so many people that come up to me and ask me about veganism, about my lifestyle. And there's so many opportunities for me to like help them out. But also being a vegan, it's an easy way to um, turn people off too. Because some people have this like stereotypical idea of a vegan being obnoxious and trying to push their ideologies on others. Um, and with vegan friendly tours, what we actually do, we solve that problem by creating an experience. We go to five vegan friendly restaurants. And when I say vegan friendly, I mean restaurants that aren't necessarily all vegan, but they have vegan friendly options. So we can bring the people that eat meat and the people that are vegan together in one place and we can have an amazing experience. And some of the things that are included in the tour is vegan friendly wine, dessert, dinner, also professional photos and a live music performance, which shows you the production, um, which I was telling you about speed snaps, and then also shows you the music, um, me as a music artist, and that brung it all together to create this vegan friendly experience that's fun, friendly, and healthy. That's awesome, man. I'm sure the um, I, it sounds like a like a ton of fun, regardless of what your dietary <laughs> preferences are. Um, Definitely, you know, yeah. So, so how long have you been going, and how and how can people find you here to connect with that? So we've been doing this since early this year, and the way that people can find us and book a tour today and enjoy this experience is by going on www.veganfriendlytours.com. Gotcha. Simple enough, man. And they get to tour that those places with you in person and then also get to have the experience that you were talking about of photography and of um, of a live of a live performance. That's that sounds like a fun if you haven't. Done, that sounds like I mean, I live here and that sounds like fun. It sounds like you don't have to be a tourist to enjoy that. Exactly. That's good, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I'm excited to see how your business grows. I'm excited to um, keep in touch with you in a business capacity, but also as a friend here, man. And um, it, please listen to this episode um, either on bizradio.us. Also check out all the other great hosts on bizradio.us. Just go to the bizradio.us and click on the shows tab. You can also connect directly with me, either whether it's regarding the show or it's regarding getting yourself out of debt and getting financially free with my agency by going to mindfulmarketplaceshow.com. Um, Shema, thanks so much for being on. I wish everyone out there the best. Take care of yourselves today and take care of someone else. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.